Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, as we gather here tonight, we commit ourselves unto you, Father. That the presence and the anointing of your Holy Spirit may come powerfully upon every single person. That as we worshiped you through the song, Lord, you have torn the Red Sea. You've taken us out of Egypt into the promised land. And today we live freely because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. May He be lifted up and may He be glorified in this evening. And we all agree and we say, Amen. Amen. Welcome everyone. Welcome everyone. Yes, let's give the Lord a proper praise offering. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. And it's wonderful to see all of you in the house of God. And those of you that are listening to us via the live stream, who are connected with us, we say welcome to each and every single one of you. And I want to start tonight very, very basically, very simply, starting exactly with what is written there. Christ is all, and He is in all. So it's not my cleverness or sparkiness that came up with this title. It is found in God's Word. Colossians 3, verses 11. And in the Greek, what this says and what this means is, Christ is everything that we need. And for all who are saved, He is that. This is what God's Word says. So from this, you can probably deduce that we are going to read from the book of Colossians 3 tonight. And you may go there so long. And whilst you are getting there to Colossians 3, let me just for full disclosure say this to you, that this wasn't the message that I wanted to preach tonight. Not in the beginning, should I say. There was something else that I had in mind that I believed that the Lord wanted me to speak. And then midway through the week, God prompted me to go to Colossians 3. Not for the first time and not for the second time. So I was disobedient and I repented. So all I can say to you, what we're going to talk about tonight in Colossians 3 is what God has for you. I'm just being obedient to give to you what the Lord has for you in Colossians 3. So with you being in Colossians 3 right now, now it wasn't so long ago where people would ask, where is Colossians 3? Or the book of Colossians. And we would say it's in the Bible and in the New Testament. But today when you ask people, where is the book of Colossians? They will tell you, it's here on my iPad. Or on my tablet. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but it's, it's, it's here on my, on my laptop. If that works for you, that is fine. Tonight's message pertains to victorious Christianity. Now, it sounds like a very big, powerful word. And you may ask, but why victorious Christianity? Because to be a Christian, we are victorious. We should live victoriously. We have the promises of God, and we should live by that. Therefore, we are victorious because Christ already paid the price. But if that is the case, then why are so many Christians not living the victorious life? And let me qualify what I'm saying. Because there's this thing in this world 
that if you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord once in your life, and you've ticked that box, all is fine. I've got my ticket on this proverbial bus that is going to heaven, because I've done that once. I have confessed Jesus Christ once. All I ask in all of this, if this is the case, where's the proof? Where's the proof of Christ living in each and every single one of us? Because this is why God has called us as believers of Christ to live victoriously, to show the world out there who Christ is. And you may say, well, the Word of God says that if I confess Jesus Christ, I will be saved. And I will say to you, you are absolutely right. But are you living that which you have confessed? And I'm going to prove to you by Scripture that it is not good enough to just say that I believe in Jesus Christ because it is not just a box that you tick. It is a life that you live. It's a choice that you make that the world must see and that God can use you for His kingdom. And I'll prove this. And I want to read to you, before we go to Colossians 3, let me read this to you quickly. Matthew, if I just want to make double sure. Yes, Matthew 7, verses 22, 23. This is how God's speaking now. And He says, in verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonders in your name? And then I, says God, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And by virtue of God's word, let's go by the testimony of two and more. Matthew 25, all of you have heard of this parable where God talks about, or our Lord Jesus was talking about the ten virgins. Now the ten virgins is always a reference, or virgins in the word of God is always reference to the body of Christ. It represents holiness and purity. And in this particular parable, our Lord Jesus says that 50% of those who were waiting for Jesus to come we're not ready. Five virgins were ready and five were not. And if we take that analogy and we extrapolate that to the church today, what a dreadful thought to think. Many who believe that they are saved and think that they are saved are not going to be on that bus to heaven. If we take this analogy, that the church who think that they are saved are actually going to be left behind. So today, I want you to leave this evening with this one conviction. You cannot think that you are saved. You must know that you are saved. When you walk out of this door tonight, you can have no reservation or fear, but you must walk out with this absolute belief that I know that I am saved. And this is why we're going to talk about all of this in Colossians 3. And to explain this to you and how God explained it to me. And you will never forget Colossians 3 from here on in. We will look at Colossians 3 from the perspective of a course that we all apply for. Or, or a degree that we want to go and enroll for. Now when you enroll for a degree at any uh, institution, educational institution, they always give you an outline of the course so that you can have a basic understanding of what the course entails. 
Then after that, they'll give you the curriculum. In the first year, these are the basic subjects that you're going to have. In the second year, this. In the third year, this. And then after you've done all of this, you will graduate. Colossians 3, we're going to approach in exactly the same way. Because God gives the definition and the understanding of what victorious Christianity is in verse 1 to 4. And then verse 5 to 7, we will cover the first part. That is the first curriculum. And then verse 8 to 11, the second. And 12 to 15 will be the third. All right. And you will understand this and you will understand why God is divided in this way. So for all of those of you who have decided that you are skipping Bible school this year, well, welcome the class of 2022 to the course, Victorious Christian Living. All right, so let's go to verse 1 of Colossians 3. For it says there, If then you were raised, and that word if means since, is the translation, since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, or sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth, for you died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So right here, God defines to all of us, this is how you know whether you're a Christian or not. This is how you know when you walk in this. You were dead once, and now you are alive. You were raised in the newness of life because of what Christ had done. Now, you are hidden in Christ. That hidden means that you are protected, that you are in the presence and in unity with Christ. And then it says, your souls have been saved, but not your body. But your bodies will move into a state of glory when Christ comes to fetch us. And then your bodies will be resurrected and we will be a new glorified body. This is, in essence, the summary of what verse 1 to 4 says. Now, you may say, hold on a little bit here. When did I die? Well, that's a question that you have to have the answer for. I can tell you where many of you have died. The greatest graveyard in the world, right there at the baptismal pool. That is the place that all of us have to go to. It's the place that everyone has to die. Because Christ can only become new in you when you lay down yourself. When you are immersed in that water there, the old you dies. It's the only place and the time in life that you are invited to your own funeral. How is that, eh? You attend your own funeral. And many of you have gone to the baptismal pool, but you stopped. You haven't gone down there because the Word of God says that just as Christ was raised into glory in the Father, so too we will be raised into newness of life. There has to come a newness of life for you. And that open only happens there. So you have got an appointment at that baptismal pool. You know that you do. The Word of God says a Christian who lives in the fullness of victorious Christian living, you've already been there. And listen, God's Word says this. He knows what the end from the beginning. 
He knows the end from your beginning. Here's something to understand this, the revelation concerning this. The beginning of your end is there. He knows your end when it happens there. And that is also the beginning when you live a new life in Christ. You may ask, but why are you talking tonight about victorious Christian living? I'll tell you why, because I asked that same question. God and myself had some conversations in the week, because I had a lot of questions. And God is so faithful. And I say it with the utmost respect, with the reverential fear of God. God answers us in ways that we cannot comprehend. Because God says this, we are raising up a generation of people who have to be the pure bride of Christ. Because if you want a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, it will only come to the pure bride of Christ. If you desire revival to come, it will only come to a pure bride. And we have to get ourselves in line with God's Word for that to happen. And you can stand on the promises of God because they are yea and amen. You have an appointment because you need to die in order for you to live again because you will live in the presence of Christ. Until the time comes and He promises us that He is going to come back again and we will meet up with Him with our glorified bodies. I ask you then, is your ticket for sure on that bus when the day comes that Christ is calling us? Because this word where it says, I know you not, is the word gnosko in Greek, and it means you had no fellowship and no relationship with God. Child of God, and you are listening, can you truly say that you have a good and a positive relationship with God? Now, this is the foundation that I'm starting. Now we're going to go to the first year course. So the first year course that we're doing here all tonight, we're doing it in a in, a, in, a, in, a, in an hour, half an hour, half an hour. You will be qualified tonight if you follow these things. So now we go to verse 5. And now Paul writes under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he says this, Therefore, put to death. In another translation, it says mortify. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. What is God talking about here? God is addressing the one area, the most important area that every Christian has to address. And this is the sins that we commit in ourselves through our body and through our flesh. All five areas that Paul mentioned here they all relate to this one particular area, sexual immorality. It goes beyond this, but Paul speaks about this because in the day that he was in, that was rife, the level of sexual immorality. And I think you will agree with me that in the hour that we are living in, it is no different. I think the things that we are challenging, the total exploitation of the sexual immorality in this world, certainly connects up with a debased mind. And it's not something that we should scoff at because it comes to every single one of us. At some point in time, you're going to have to deal with this. Paul writes here, he says, put to death. Put to death this very thing because it will kill you. 
if you don't kill it first. And it goes beyond this because this relates to everything that you are struggling in the flesh. What God is talking about here, child of God, we have to deal with ourselves first. All the sins that we commit in the privacy of our own living room or in quietness that the world doesn't know, God knows. God sees. If you want to move on in total victory as a Christian, you have to deal with those sins, the sins that are hidden, the sins that are prideful, the sins that make you commit sin in this flesh, because God says you have to deal with it because your body is the temple of God's Holy Spirit. And if your body is the temple of God's Holy Spirit, is your temple holy or is it defiled? Is God living in your temple? Because God doesn't enter a defiled temple. For God, the temple is holy. It is the house of God. You are the house of God. If you are the body and Christ is the head, the head can't walk there and the body being here. The body must be connected with the head in order for the body to be what God has intended for it to be. Deal with the sin in your own life because these are the carnal things you have to deal with. All of us have to deal with that at some point in time. And God is so serious about this that He says, if you don't deal with it, He sees you as the sons of disobedience upon whom the wrath of God will come. And for the women out there, I'm so sorry, but when God talks about the sons of disobedience, it is a collective noun, and it means you are not excluded. All right? It's all of us. All of us, God says, if we don't deal with the sins of the flesh, the addictions, the pornography, alcohol, drugs, selfishness, the egotistical me, all me, my, myself, and I, if it is not dealt with, we cannot move on to the next level where God needs us to be. And you will know tonight that you cannot say that you are saved if this area in your life is not dealt with. You cannot say, I will deal with this drug addiction or with this alcohol addiction or with gambling when I'm ready for it. If you were able to deal with this, what would be the need for Christ to come and aid and assist you? Because for this, He died. We make the work of the cross absolutely obsolete if we believe we can withstand these things. We all need Christ in this, and we need to go and lay it before His feet because this was nailed to the cross. You only have to receive the fullness of the promises of God in believing that Christ has taken this also to the cross, but you have to lay it down there. And God will do the healing, and He will do the deliverance and restore you where He wants you to be. The thing about the wrath of God, I want to explain something, and I want to tell you what the Greek says about the wrath of God, because this is something we really, really need to understand. The wrath of God is defined as this. It is the justifiable vengeance and the total displeasure of God towards you and me. If we do not repent of this sin, if we do not deal with the carnal self, the me, this is what the wrath of God is. But you may say, but God's grace will protect me. God's wrath in simple terms means this. God removes His grace and He removes His mercy. What does that mean? The absence of God. The wrath of God, we have to understand. We can never overplay what grace is. You can't tell me in Scripture that grace covers this. 
Many people walk around and loosely use grace and think it is a license to continue to sin. Let me explain to you what God's grace is. God's grace is the power given unto you to deal with that sin. Not to continue in it, but to deal with it so that you can walk in victory. God's grace is the victory which came through Jesus Christ. Any, any message or ministry concerning grace, you must, you must really pay attention to what he said. Because grace is not a movement. Grace is not an emotion. And grace is not a feeling. Grace is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And there was a great price that he paid so that you and I can walk freely. And that even the sin in the flesh, in the carnal, is victoriously being dealt with at the cross. Take up that cross and deny yourself. Kill it, as Paul says. Kill it, otherwise it will kill you. This is how serious God is. Yes, let's give God a praise offering. Amen. Amen. Let's move on to course number two. If you have dealt with the you, the me, you can qualify now and move on to the second course. And now we read in verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let me tell you what God is saying here. Now that you've dealt with the self, you need to deal with the sins you commit to others. The anger, the malice, the blaspheming talks that you have towards them. All these things. He talks about lying. This is the place where you lay down the unforgiveness, the bitterness, all these things that are wearing you down. You have to deal with that and you have to repent before God to set those people free and to set yourself free. This is the place where we hurt others. And let me just clarify something. Whatever you do to any other person, it is birthed and stems forth from what is in the heart. So look at what is in your heart. We have to look at what's in our hearts. What is it that I do unto other people? Because that comes from the heart. God tells us, deal with this. Deal with the things where we hurt others. The things that we do to totally harm them. Because if we do not set them free, if we do not forgive them, if we do not let them go, God cannot let us move on to the next level. The, the Word of God says this, Matthew 7, 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and this is the prophets. God says this. We must do unto others as we would like for them to do unto us. There is a very serious thing that's happening in the church arena and the church circles. And it has certainly increased in the last year, year and a half, especially since lockdown. And for me, it's almost, it borders on being diabolic. But there is suddenly this, this, this authority emerged, this faceless, cowardly, self-appointed church police. And they're found all over the internet, all over the social medias. And what they do, they spill all the dirty laundry of what's happening all over in, this, in the churches what's happening with the pastor and his family, what false doctrines they are, cheat, are, are, are teaching, supposed false doctrines that they are, cheat, 
that they are teaching in their particular congregation. Every single thing that potentially can go wrong in that congregation, it hits the internet and the people feed. I look at some of the comments of this and I think to myself, what is the church, the body of Christ coming to? Is this the perfect bride of Christ that God is waiting for so that He can use us in these end times so that God can move in the world out there? Listen to what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians 2.11. Because the purpose of that is to divide the body of Christ. It is to cause division. 2 Corinthians 2.11, God says this, Do not be outsmarted by Satan, and do not be ignorant concerning the devil's devices. Because now comes a powerful scripture. Listen, this is a scripture for the hour for the church. 1 Peter 4 verse 17. For the time has come... For judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And the very next verse, now, if the righteous ones are scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Listen to me, children of Almighty God, all of us. We have to take care of God's house. We have to take care of it. This is our responsibility as the body of Christ, keeping yourself holy and pure so that you can live the victorious Christian life. This then takes me to the last point, which is found then in verse 12 to 15. If you've qualified with the first, Moving on to the second, then you qualified there. Now we come to the third. Verse 12, it says this. Therefore, as the elect of God, the chosen, the blessed ones, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. What is God saying in this, precious child of God? You have dealt with the self now, and you have dealt with the sins that you commit unto others. Now God says this, we have emptied out the things that are evil, and there's a vacancy here. God says, fill yourself up with those nine things that he mentions there. Those nine things are the things that represent Christ. And it's quite amazing how these nine things that are mentioned here are so closely related to the fruit of the Spirit. What is God saying here? You, when you do this, you now reflect Christ. There's the light that is shining in you that lights the world out there because it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have got the fullness of Christ in you when you do this. And when you do this, God says this, you are reflecting Christ and now you qualify because now God can use you. Stop asking the question, Lord, how are you going to use me? Stop asking the question, Lord, where are you going to send me? That's not the answer that God's going to give to you. All God wants to know is, whom can I send? Whom can I send? Whom can I send? I close off with this. In, in, in preparation for all of this, 
I asked the question, Lord, why must I give this message? Why is this message? And obviously from Corinthians 3, we can deduce how important it is for the hour that we are living in. And then God says this to me. And please hear my heart. Here I speak what God's Holy Spirit says. And I say this from the beginning. Please hear my words. I'm not a prophet. There's one prophet in this house, and that's Pastor Harold. God appointed him to be the prophet in this house. I speak what the Holy Spirit led in my heart. This is what God said. God says he remembers all the toil, all the sacrifice, all the prayers of years gone by that was prayed in this house. He remembers them, and it, is, and it, it has become an offering before him. Because this place, this house, was called to be a lighthouse, to be a light unto the west end. And many churches have been birthed out of this place. God says He's heard the prayers, the sacrifices made, the tears that were cried in prayer, in those who set themselves aside to intercede for this church. Because God says newness is coming. Newness is coming, and it is coming in the Spirit first. And He's remembering all those people. Some have come and some have left. Many are still here. The prayers that you have prayed, God hears. And here's the proof that this word is true. If any one of you here have prayed for a fresh anointing, especially that, that, that there will come a revival in this church, where's your hand? Whom of you have prayed this? Whom of you have desired this? Here's the proof. You are answering what God is just confirming. I'm not speaking anything except what God has put on my heart. God says this, there is newness coming, and it is coming for a pure and a holy bride. Victorious Christian living is only if we deal with the self. We kill that. When we deal with what we do to others, we take off, it says. In other words, we take off a garment. We put on a new garment. And the new garment is what we do from verse 12 onwards. This is what is beckoning us, children of the Most High God. So tonight when you walk out here, you must know whether you are saved or not. You can't think it. You must know it. I'm going to ask that everybody just bow their heads. Because I have to ask this question. I cannot let anyone leave here tonight if there's any uncertainty in you that you have not dealt with the self. The carnal sins, the sins that you are committing in your own body, if that has not been dealt with, tonight is your time to deal with it. If you have no forgiveness towards other people and you, and you walk in unforgiveness and in bitterness and resentment, tonight is your night because you have to make right for God, before God. And for those of you who have been lukewarm, those of you know that you are not right with God, it is also your night. So whilst every head is bent down, every eye is closed, I want to ask if you are qualifying in any one of those three areas, I want you to raise your hand. Even if it is one person, then I'm going to pray for that one person. There the person is. Thank you. There are more here. Where are you? Because there are some of you who are not raising up your hands. Let me, let me tell you this. God is not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you what are the secret sins that you're committing. God, that's not the purpose here. God wants to set you free tonight. Raise your hands wherever you are. Because God wants to deal with that. Right, wherever you are. Please, everyone, close your eyes. And those of you who raise your hands, just keep your hands raised there because I want to pray for you just right here where we are before we close out with a song. Father, these people here, 
I bring them before you. Tonight they make right with you. And we lift them up before you. Tonight we ask you, Father, to draw them into the kingdom of God. Lord, that you would bless them and deliver them from the stronghold that have kept them from walking in the fullness of being a victorious Christian. I want to ask you, Father, that your spirit will come upon them and anoint them and that that yoke is broken and their names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. That just saying that we believe in Jesus is not good enough. We must believe it and we show that belief in the manner in which we live. So, Lord, we lift them up before you and we pray that they will be saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray now that they will receive, that they will receive you, Lord Jesus Christ, in their lives. Amen. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.